Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Rest hey there, Edwin. Hey, Andrew. It's the middle of the week. We are chugging right along. Oh, man. Wednesday already? Hard to believe. Yeah, just, just chugging along, gulping through Hebrews. <laughs> Big, big bites at a time, or, or maybe a little bit teeny tiny. <laughs> I need to take you to 7-Eleven. I think you're <laughs> wanting a slushy or I'm something. Big gulp kind big of Big gulp. Yeah. No, actually, we've been taking some smaller bites, mm-hmm. and we're going to kind of re-chew. We're going to ruminate today on Hebrews 8, 1 through 5. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so let's go back and read Hebrews 1 through 5 again. Now, the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Thus, it is necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. Now, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. They serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God, saying, See that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain. So there is an emphasis here that Moses has been selected to build the tabernacle of God. Mm -hmm. And yet it is very important that he build it according to the pattern that was given. Yes. And the Hebrew writer is helping us to see that even in this pattern, it itself is a copy. It itself is a, uh, oh, um, uh, well, there was the heavenly object reality. lesson, object lesson, yeah, of a spiritual reality. There was a heavenly reality, and God was providing a pattern that would point to that heavenly reality. Yesterday, after the mics were off because we ran out of time, you highlighted a caution. That we should bring up. And I, I think it's a, oh, a, a, a an important yeah. caution, that ancient kind of platonic doctrine of the duality of, mm-hmm. you know, you have, here's the thing that you can touch and hold, but there's actually an essence that is behind it that is yes. the reality. So we have a, we have a horse that yeah. we can see, but there's really the ideal of a horse Correct. that that is the reality behind the horse. That is not what Hebrews chapter eight is presenting. It's not that there is an essence Mm -hmm. of templeness. And then here's just a physical representation of that essence. What he's saying is in the heavenly realm, there is a sanctuary that God, God has a dwelling place Mm -hmm. that is really and truly his dwelling place. He has made a copy of it in the presence of the Israelites to have this idea of dwelling in the midst of them. But remember when Solomon made the temple, he even highlighted God is too big for this. God doesn't dwell in temples made by hands. Right. God God couldn't be held within this temple. He couldn't be held within this earth. So the sanctuary that is God's, it's not an essence of templeness mm-hmm. that here is just a physical representation. It is the fact that there is that temple. There is right. that sanctuary. And he's giving us a glimpse of what that is like as we have the tabernacle in the temple. Yeah. Well, you know, and one of the things that, that I'd like to, to bring up here is when we were talking about that dualism and how it, it seeped into uh, Gnostic versions of Christianity where people were even suggesting that, well, Jesus Christ didn't really die on the cross. Some earth 
a copy died on the cross, but the Christ was this phantom. And I think it was in the Gospel of Thomas or one of them where he's even pictured as hovering above the cross and laughing the whole time that people thought they could kill him. And, you know, this is, uh, well, like I said, this is terrible false teaching because of the significance of the sacrifice of Christ and his resurrection. But where other people took that dualistic thought was to say, well, okay, if the spiritual realm is the true reality and that's what matters, then what we're doing in this flesh doesn't matter. You know, it, it lended itself to all types of wickedness and sin and indulgence of the flesh. I mean, it could, because, because the, well, you know, what really mattered was the spiritual realm and such. And what I notice here is actually there isn't a, quite an emphasis placed on what's going on in this material world. God says to Moses, make it according to the pattern. It did matter. It did matter. Yeah, because there was a reality. Yeah, that's right. Let me back up, because you jumped from one thing to a second thing. I do I do want to go back to that first concept uh, that, that you brought up there, because the the heavenly reality of sacrifice the the when the priests were serving the copy in the shadow and they right. were offering sacrifices yeah. at the temple that were not actually truly ultimately working if if all we ever had were those sacrifices then there would actually be no forgiveness we're going to get to that in the next couple of chapters yeah those only worked because they were pointing toward the mm-hmm. reality, the heavenly reality, and yet the heavenly reality of those things was actually Jesus on right. earth dying on the cross. That's right. It, the That's heavenly right. reality of that was not up in the heavens, mm-hmm. some kind of spiritual sacrifice that was going on up there. It was Jesus on the cross. Mm-hmm. And so, again, that reminds us, we're not talking about some kind of dual nature of right. here's this thing that we can see, and then there's the sacrifice essence behind it. The ultimate reality of sacrifice was Jesus is Jesus yes. on the cross, correct? who has now gone by that sacrifice into the true mm-hmm. tent of mm-hmm. the Lord. So mm-hmm. I think that's really important. So now moving on to your second point, I, I do want us to spend more time on that. It did matter how Moses yeah. built the tabernacle. He didn't yeah. get to say, well, this is a copy. It's not the real thing. So it doesn't matter. God said, no, I'm giving you a pattern. Make it this way. And uh, while the Hebrew writer is emphasizing Moses and maybe part of that uh, is is because that that was the first you know the message that comes down from the mountain but in um uh, you know the course of revelation we find that the time does come when the uh place of worship and sacrifice will become fixed the tabernacles this tent it's mobile they're going to take it all through the wilderness and 40 years of wandering and so forth they're going to be in the promised land it's going to go to different places but ultimately there will be a permanent structure um, a pattern given for that, and we're going to see the same type of emphasis uh, placed upon build it according to the pattern. I do think when, when the tabernacle comes, it's like we have six chapters of build it like this. The pattern is recorded in our scripture for us. We see it. Then we turn around and watch them build it, and it's like reading the same passage over again. It's like reading the it same is. six chapters again. It's, it's, it, I, I'll admit it. For me, it's one of the boring places of the Bible. I'm like, I just read this. Just read Why don't you? But, but it seemed certain that what God wanted to demonstrate through Moses is how important following the pattern is. Mm-hmm. And so he said this first time that it happened, he gives the long description 
and then we get to watch them every step of the way follow the pattern. Yeah. We don't quite see that when David plans the temple mm-hmm. and when Solomon builds the temple. Executes we don't it. actually have recorded in Scripture what the pattern was and, and then watch them build it that exact way. And so because of that, some folks might think that what you said a minute ago is not correct. However, we do have this passage in 1 Chronicles 28 and verse 19 where David has been making preparations for the temple Mm -hmm. that's going to be built, and he's telling Solomon, I'm not allowed to build it, but you're going to build it, and then here's what it says. 1 Chronicles 28, 19, all this he made clear to me in writing from the hand of the Lord all the work to be done according to the plan. Mm -hmm. In other words, God did have his plan for the temple written down, and it was made clear to David in writing from the hand of the Lord, and then was passed on to Solomon. That has not been preserved for us in Scripture. God apparently didn't think that we needed to have another display of that kind of pattern mindset that we saw with the tabernacle, but it is made clear that that is exactly what happened. Yeah, Um, and so we have these types. We have these shadows of spiritual realities. I think one of the things we're seeing in this conversation is just a a principle about God's revelation that when he gives a pattern, there's an expectation to do it according to the pattern. Yes. And we see it with a tabernacle. We see it with a temple. The Hebrew writer is making much of it. What about today, Edwin? I mean, what about God's... We're New Covenant people. We're Christians. Is the Hebrew writer going to teach us? You're New Covenant people. Absolutely. And God... It's, I guess the question we have to ask is, does God have a temple today? Yeah. Some yeah. folks might say, oh, we don't have to worry about that because God doesn't have a temple today. He had yeah. the temple. There was the tabernacle. There was the temple. He destroyed the temple, but then they rebuilt the temple. I, I will say one of the fascinating things about when they rebuilt built that temple mm-hmm. is as you're walking through Ezra and then Nehemiah and all those places where it talks about the temple and the city being rebuilt, the number of things that actually tie back to how the temple was originally built yeah, and and even some of the praises that they offered being the exact same words as as offered when the temple was built the first time. No, you're right. There's there's a fascinating study to go through Ezra and Nehemiah and count how many times it says uh, according to the law of Moses or as it was written in yeah. Moses. I, there is a returning emphasis to we're going to do things just as it was written. Mm-hmm. So is there a temple? Because that building, that building was, those physical things were shaken out. Mm -hmm. They toppled down. Here's what Ephesians chapter 2 tells us, beginning in verse 19, as he's writing to these Gentile Christians in Asia, beginning in Ephesus. He says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Well, that makes it sound like he does have a temple, and it's his church. That is exact. (laughs) Here's why it makes it sound that way, brother. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Because that is the way it is. Yeah. There there is a temple in this new covenant age, but it's not a physical building. In fact, I'm going to suggest it's getting us even closer to the spiritual realities. The temple, the house of God, the dwelling place of God are his people. Mm -hmm. He is dwelling in in the midst of his people. We, the church, are the temple. I think we should draw a conclusion from that. Mm -hmm. As we 
Peter talks about us being living stones yeah. in this house, in this temple. We as living stones being built together in this house, we should be looking for what is the pattern. Mm-hmm. How does God want us to build this? Nobody has ever been able to build a temple just however they felt like building a temple. Correct. We don't get to build this temple however we feel like building the temple. We yeah. need to find what has God said, what is his pattern, what is his way, and we need to do that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think about the instruction that the Apostle Paul uh, gave to the preacher Timothy in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 13. He told him to hold fast to the pattern of sound words mm. that he had been given. Mm. And, and it, it is this same idea that there is a, 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 a pattern and a picture of doctrine. And it's not to be, uh, you know, innovated. It's certainly not to be ignored, but you practice it and you hold it and you pass it on. The pattern of God's teaching, the pattern from God's church is to be perpetuated. Um, You know, you were talking about some of the neat uh, expressions you find Ezra and Nehemiah when they were trying to go back and rebuild a temple. You find similar things in different periods of Israel's uh, spiritual restorers. Okay, the idea always was God has written, God has communicated his desires. We need to go back and do that. We need to repair. We need to restore. Uh, And we can because of the word given by God. That's what pleases him. Also talking about what Paul said to Timothy, remember when he wrote that first letter, he said, "I'm, I'm look, I'm planning on coming to you, mm-hmm. but in case I'm delayed, here's why I'm writing this letter. That's right. I'm writing this letter so you may know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, in the church of the living God, the pillar and buttress of the truth. He's pointing out that house, that temple, here's a pattern. I'm writing to you yeah. so you know how it's supposed to happen. Yeah. Again, we need to be looking for that. We don't get to make this church the way we want to. We find God's will. God's pattern, because it is His temple. We spent some time in our Galatians uh, less or uh, you know conversations episodes. There's my word, our Galatians episodes, uh, talking about uh, the the I guess temptation for people to add to the law of God and or go back to Judaism in some form. Um, but I think a, you know a lesson to be taken from is God's new covenant people can have the expectation. Of course, there's a pattern. Of course, there are documents. That's the way God has revealed Himself in times past when He has a covenant people, and now we're a covenant people today. Uh, not to extend this too much longer than our allotted time, we've already gone over. I'm sorry, but part of the whole point of Hebrews is He's saying here's a way it's supposed to be under the new covenant. Quit going back to the old covenant. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you in Jesus Christ. There is a way we're supposed to be doing things. Quit trying to overlay that other covenant mm. on this, mm. finding the pattern, finding the way God wants us to do it. We've got to be in his word so that we know that. Yeah. Let's go ahead and wrap up with a prayer. A great God and father. Thank you, Lord, for the day. Thank you for your revelation. And Father, we're just enjoying this time in Hebrews 8 and enjoying to see how you have revealed your will uh, through things like a, a tabernacle and the instructions given, a pattern set forth with the expectation that your people will keep your pattern. We pray, Father, that you might help us to have eyes and an eager heart to discern the pattern of truth, the pattern of Scripture, the pattern for your temple today, which is your church, the pattern for our lives today as we are living stones in your church, the pattern of doctrine and how we ought to behave within your church and order it, all these things. Father, we want to please you, and we want to be what you would have us to be. For your glory, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. 
I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne.